0: hi kirby hi sarah welcome Welcome to to los angeles Angeles. welcome glam gelinos we hope you stay a while hold up
2: We've got the brow here on the pod today. I mean, Christy Stryker is a walking billboard. I love saying walking billboard. That's like one of my favorite terms to use. I probably should like put a dollar in the jar every time I use that on this podcast. It's very relevant for this. Right. Like her brows are incredible. Christy, thank you so much for joining us on Los Angeles.
3: Thank you for having me. It's so nice to
2: be here. I mean, and just... A stunning Stunning. specimen of a human. Like how? Like So we kick off every episode with a question, Christy. It's what's on your face? And while I know you likely have a lot of your own brand on your face, I would love to know what else are you using? What's on your lips, your eyes, your lashes, your cheek?
3: Well, currently not a whole lot, if I'm being honest. I had a very busy morning this morning. And, you know, it may be some remnants from yesterday. I do a little (laughs) wipe of my skin, but sometimes like, like I've been using the violet, the eyeshadow paints, the U paints, and those are really tenacious, which I'm not mad at. Like sometimes I just kind of leave it on there and then like I'll bump up mascara, but I typically will clean my skin with a, a micellar water wipe. And then I'm currently loving the, actually I have it here the color science, this SPF 50, it's basically a mineral yep. face shield. And I've been trying to get better about my sunscreen, especially during the summer. Cause I've been doing, you know, the retinoids and things like that. And then, you know, I feel like as a studio owner and as someone who's in the industry and is constantly getting sent amazing products, I like to switch it up. So I'm not super loyal but there are a few things that I will not switch up. One being my Iris and Romeo, this guy. Oh, it's like a cheek. Yep. And my best skin days for my face and for my concealer. I'm loving. This. We love that product. It's so good, right? The tarantula ash from Bake Up. Have you guys tried this?
2: Yes. Sarah, you have eyelash extensions. I'm a lash extensions girl,
0: but I did receive it. And I was going to ask Kirby what she thought. But tell us your review.
3: Well, I mean, I feel like this is a really cool buildable product, but it wears really nicely. So like I was just on a five-day sea kayaking adventure where I was camping every night and I put one coat of this on just because I was like, let me just do some one thing. So I feel a little put together. And I put one coat of that on. And I kid you not, I didn't look in the mirror once. And at the end of my trip, I like pulled out my phone. I was like, Oh, my gosh, I still have my tarantula lash on,
2: (laughs) which is amazing. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So it's like withstanding kayaking adventures. That's a pretty epic review. Yes,
3: yes. And like, you can build it if you love tarantula ash, like you can get there quickly, but one coat and it's like, I'm a real fan of all of her stuff, actually, her little
2: shadow palettes and yeah, fun stuff for sure. So Joe Baker is the one that created this brand bake up and Joe is just an incredible makeup artist is the most, in my opinion, fun red carpet looks. It's hard sometimes with a client on a red carpet because they want to look classic and timeless and all those things. But it is a lot of fun when you see, you know, her working with like the Lucy Boyntons and like the Natasha Leones and they're really having fun with color and texture and things of that nature. So
3: yeah, I feel like she's really good at getting people to like get outside their comfort zone and think out of the box and do something fun, but it's still always very feminine and beautiful she really has a a way at that. She's super talented.
2: She's an icon. Yep. Agreed.
3: Yeah. I think I'm pretty like, I'm pretty minimal. I don't do a whole lot. And then, you know, I do have a three-step brow, of course, because you know, the brows are everything. I feel like when your brows look good, you can kind of be lazy about everything else. It can even like make your lashes look fuller. It can make you look more rested. You know, the eye is diverted away from anything else that may not be the most flattering, even like dark circles and things like that. So I always spend a minute or two on the brows. And currently, because mine are tinted, I just have my clear stronghold brow gel. I kind of brush them up and set them how I want them. And sometimes it'll open up and expose any little holes or sparse areas. So then I'll go in with the micro feathering brow pen once it's dried. And I'll just do little like hair strokes to kind of make them look even and filled in.
0: Love. So good. So, so good. Okay, Christy, before we jump into your career and grill you on our brow conundrums, we have to talk about where it all started and your beautiful, beauty-loving family, your sisters and you. So you have Jen, who is, you know, renowned makeup artist. We've got Ashley hairstylist you obviously celebrated brow artist what was it like growing up did you all just love makeup and beauty so so much what was that like growing up and then how'd you guys find your respective paths
3: It's so funny because it was not planned at all. It wasn't like our parents were into it or we were exposed to it. I mean, we really grew up like in the foothills of Northern California, sort of tomboyish. We were outside all the time. You know, Northern California just got tons of rivers and lakes and trees. And so I feel like we were outside quite a bit, you know, ski team and we were involved in sports and I feel like Jen, my older sister, makeup artist sister, is the one that kind of like carved the path for both Ashley and I. She got a job at the Estee Lauder counter. And I remember going and visiting her at work and being like, can I get some samples? Do you have any samples? Samples of anything. (laughs) Like, I was like two years younger, so I was probably like 15, 16. Just getting like fancy makeup samples was so exciting. And yeah, so naturally, I think when it was time for me to sort of graduate high school, I wasn't ready to go to college. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I just knew that I wanted to be independent and, you know, carve my own path. And I was able to get a job at the clinic counter, just right across the cosmetic department from her. I mean, we worked in different stores. She really inspired me to do that because it was really fun learning about skincare, makeup, and all the creative things, but also just connecting with women. I think we both really liked that. And I think going back to growing up, we all really enjoyed putting ourselves together, you know, the getting dressed and the doing the hair and You know, I'm sure my mom like inspired a little bit of that. Like she was like a real do-it-yourselfer with like the mineral makeups that she would get in these like ceramic jars. And I remember her like doing her own waxing and she was a, a receptionist at a salon when Jen and I were quite young. And so naturally she did hair because she was a receptionist. So she was like perming and cutting our hair you know, before we even really had hair, you know, like we were getting perms that actually couldn't even hold a wave, but I just remember being so into it because she was really into it. There was definitely a passion there. And I think that that speaks to all of us. Like we found something that we love because we're connecting with people, but then the passion behind it is just, it's so fun and it's rewarding. And to be honest, I'm sure all of us didn't really think it could be a career, right? Because it is so fun and you just, you don't think it could actually be a real job. I think there was a lot of that happening with all three of us. Like this is perfect until we get a real job because I don't know, I feel like you're so used to thinking that that work has to be like hard and not enjoyable, right? So I think we all got really lucky, to be honest, that, you know, being in the right place at the right time. Jen again had the opportunity to move to New York. And two years later, I followed her. And she, at the time, was doing hair at Warren Tricomi on 57th Street. And I had the opportunity to meet Joel and Edward, and they were lovely. And I was visiting Jen at the time, and I was an aesthetician at the time and doing facials and whatnot. And they had a position and they kind of offered me a job on the spot. And I moved there six months later which is amazing. And Ashley was just graduating high school and she was smart enough to get her cosmetology license in high school through like a regional occupational program. So she came to New York for the summer as a licensed hairdresser and was able to like assist at Warren Tricomi, assist Edward, assist all these amazing talented hairstylists, like as an 18 year old, which is crazy. But I feel like we have Jen to thank for all of this because She moved there with her boyfriend and they lived in a one-bedroom apartment. And Ashley and I, with our boyfriends, all crashed there for the summer. I mean, thank you, Patrick Fondo, for being the coolest boyfriend ever. (laughs) Can you imagine? (laughs) Six people in a one-bedroom apartment. Oh, my gosh. Yeah.
0: That's so crazy. And, you know, obviously, fast forward, you guys are still working together. Is that difficult? Or, I mean, obviously it's probably the best, probably the best thing to like be able to work with your family and sisters, but like, is
3: that hard sometimes? Of course it comes with its challenges, but I think at the end of the day, because we love what we do and we all have a very aligned aesthetic on how we view beauty and how we think of it. I think all of us are like, we don't want to fuss too much. We want to look good, but we want to like maintain what's natural, not be too contrived and not spend too much time on it, you know? And it really plays a role into how we view beauty and how we like to educate women on how their brows, hair, or makeup are. So we opened Strike. We had the opportunity to open a studio because we found ourselves all living in Los Angeles. I think it was in 2011, 2012. And it seemed like a really easy decision because everything just sort of fell into place. So it felt right. We learned a lot in the process just because the dynamics of my business being a service-oriented product, if you will, like people come in to get their brows done. I needed a space where Jen and Ashley were doing more freelance work and session work and doing press junkets that sort of took them out of being in one particular space. So it, it took a minute to like figure out how we were gonna like equitably share the costs and things like that. So we learned a ton. But more than anything, we had this like really cool space that I feel like we like played home in. Like we hadn't lived at home together in a very long time. And any chance we could get, we were having events and parties and gathering women together and, you know, celebrating everything we could. And it was just so wonderful. And then the pandemic hit and it changed a lot of things, you know, and that's when Jen and Ashley both moved out of Los Angeles. So the party was over. Where are they now? So Jen moved to Bedford, which is just below Connecticut, like in New York. And Ashley moved closer to kind of where we grew up back in Northern California. It's a town called Meadow Vista. She does like a week every six to eight weeks. She'll come and do haircuts and styling sessions at the studio, which is great. And then Jen, you know, is doing as much as she can with her clients up there and then has her two brick and mortar sort of beauty spots, Duchess and Scout which are thriving and doing well. So I think everyone's happy just kind of doing their own thing and we're all figuring it out,
2: you know? Yeah, and Strike obviously still exists. It's a beautiful space. I love going there. In fact, we just got an email about an event happening there soon.
3: Tuesday, yeah, it's our first event. Kind of since the pandemic, we're very excited about it.
2: Wow, that is incredible. I mean, it's such a beautiful space and it feels very you. Like obviously, you guys started it together, but because you are doing a majority of the in-service personal, you know, in-person services for people, it feels very much like you have your stamp all over it, and it's gorgeous and uh, just oh, like a little, it. a little respite from like a crazy Los Angeles. Christy, you mentioned something about how you and your sisters. See beauty and your personal aesthetic, and it's effortless and like you know natural, and it's not you know trying too hard. You originally had male clients when you were doing brows, right? Mhm I had a lot of male clients, mm-hmm. yeah, because I feel like especially like in the celebrity space, too, people don't think like oh, so and so got his brows groomed, but like he definitely did he probably got a trim he probably got a little pluck here and there like he probably got something done what about men's brows should women take away like what should we be doing that like like you know what I mean? <laughs> because I feel like they don't do anything and they all have perfect brows and they have perfect lashes the most like perfect curled long lashes and we're over here like what are we doing what are we doing
3: I know. I know. I mean, I think the beauty industry in general, I think has us doing sometimes too much, right? I mean, I'll admit to it. You know, sometimes I'm like, well, I need to slow down. I need to slow my roll with all this. But men don't really think about it the way women do. They don't really have to. And not that we have to either, but we do because it's fun. I mean, I think it's fun. And I think that goes back to what you were saying is that like, it should be fun. It shouldn't be work. It shouldn't feel bad. It shouldn't feel like you're trying to look like somebody else, you know? So mm-hmm. cutting back and maybe doing less you know, and obviously we're at different ages now, right? Like Jen and I are sort of like perimenopausal, menopausal, right? So our skin is changing, our needs are changing, our time that we have to allot to things are changing because we're all moms now, you know? So it's just doing what feels good and maybe not doing as much, I think, and, and having more time for other things, right? No, truly. And I
0: feel like you could find like 10... 10- 20 products for a brow and you feel like you need to use all of them, especially with like the YouTube brow and the Instagram brow. Like, I feel like, oh my God, I can't even look at some of the pictures of me from like five years ago. I was doing way too much and no one was telling me not to do it. Like, I'm like, oh my God, they're literal like caterpillars.
2: Sarah, I had micro bladed brows. I literally had two bricks <laughs> on my face. And nobody was like, nobody told us we weren't there for each other at the time. No, we weren't. We weren't. I really needed someone to be like, babes, you need to get depigmented.
3: You know, but that was the trend. I mean, not that long ago, I feel like everyone was wearing these like that heavy, your brows walk in the door before you do like when I was like, 1820, the trend was like that tiny little brow, like I'll show you photos. And then like all the layers of eyeshadow leading up to it. (laughs) That was the style. (laughs) You're right. We were all cute at the
0: time, but I cannot look at those photos of myself.
2: (laughs) Well, like I blame Cara Delevingne because Cara jumps on the scene 2013, 2014 and had these amazing natural brows. Mind you, she was like the brow that was what she was coined at fashion weeks. And everybody was obsessed with her brows. And, and we all thought we could pull it off too. (laughs) And I'm looking and I'm like, why are our brows taking up a third of our forehead? Like, this is insane. I know, Christy, that you're like, oh, the thin brow of the early, like mid nineties, that was a thing. And that was bad. But I'm like, We literally look like we have Legos on our head. It's crazy. And like, I am a
0: Asian woman. What Asian woman naturally has like thick, (laughs) fluffy brows? You know what I mean? But I'm like, I'm going to try to achieve this. And like,
2: no, not natural.
3: Beauty trends are so fun, aren't they?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Fun's one way to put it, sister. That's why nobody that I speak to that is a legitimate expert in their field follows trends because they're like it's never gonna age well. Like it just does it. And you know what? In 20 years, we're gonna see the brick brows come back. Everything is old as new again. Like we're gonna see it. It's gonna come back. Just like the nineties brow is coming back, you know? We need to think of some new things. But I think it's all been done. Or we just embrace,
0: you know, highlight our natural God given brows, which is What you do so beautifully.
3: I mean, that's how everyone is going to look back. I truly believe that. You know.
0: Okay, so you, Christy, have so many beautiful, famous clients: Gwyneth, Lord, Adele, Mandy Moore, Sandra Bullock, just to name just to name a few. Who was your first big celeb client? What was like your big
2: break? Julia Roberts. (gasps) Oh, <gasps> no. What? Oh, my God. No. Tell me everything. Tell me everything. Is she just as amazing as we all think?
3: She's so lovely. She's so lovely. And I caught her right at the perfect time because she had just had her, Henry, her, her youngest, and she wasn't working. And so she really allowed me to, like, help her grow out and sort of, cause you know, a lot of people in the industry and especially if you're working like that, not everyone has a brow specialist, you know, they're working so much and they're reliant upon the makeup artist on set. That's like tweezing here, tweezing there. Everyone has like a different eye. There's different roles and things like that. So nobody had ever really taken her brows and like put her on a plan. And so she was really compliant and lovely. And we were able to just get these really beautiful her natural brow is so gorgeous. I mean, when you see like her earlier films, you can just see that natural growth pattern and it's so gorgeous. So we're able to slowly do that. To have someone like that trust you and then to see your brows become these beautiful face framing, flattering brows, then they really trust you. And then they're like, "Why nobody else can touch my brow. I was like the first person she would call whenever she was traveling and she'd come back. Like, you know, so it was a really interesting lovely relationship. She's so wonderful.
2: Wow, what an icon.
3: Yeah, it was it was amazing. And I was so nervous. She treated me like a friend. She was so lovely. Had me in her home and yeah, that was major. Major major major.
0: Oh my god, I would be so nervous to mess up. So nervous. Obviously, you're like a trained professional, but I'd be like sweating.
3: I was like shaking. I would
0: be
2: sobbing, honestly. I wouldn't be able to do it. I would just be crying. <laughs> I love you. I would not be able to handle it. That's, that's incredible. Wait, you said something that I I think the listener is probably going, wait, tell us more. So you put her on a plan to get her natural growth pattern back. And I think this is something that's like very, it's like intuitive to you. It's something that you kind of have coined with your clients and you put them on these plans to get there. Yes. How are you able to kind of identify like, what's missing if there's no hair there and then what kind of plan do you put people on i know it's very specific to the person in their brows but i would love to know kind of how you make these plans work because maybe this is something people can take away and try to do at home to help regrow their own brows Yes. So
3: giving any kind of general broad advice is always difficult because everyone has such different variables that we're working with in terms of what they've tweezed or not tweezed, or if there's any thyroid or hormone issues in just overall growth cycles. So when I first meet a client, I'm I'm always very like inquisitive and asking all the things when the last time they tweezed and what their sort of habit has been for the last year leading up to the appointment. And if there are any like thyroid or or hormone issues, if they are having, you know, thin brows or they're having trouble growing them. And then I, I sort of recommend a very simple, every six to eight weeks, not touching one hair in between those sessions. So essentially they're sort of giving their brows to me. And I find that tweezing all the hair on that six to eight week cycle is what helps to actually train the hair to grow where you want it to and to not grow where you don't. And when I say tweezing all the hair, it's very specific hairs. So it's not even like how many hairs are where you're tweezing, it's all three together. So it's, you know, waiting that six to eight weeks, tweezing certain hairs that are sort of low lying stragglers, and then kind of staying on that cycle for three to four rounds, which, you know, six to eight weeks, that can be anywhere between four and six months. So it does take time and it's an investment, but it's the only way to truly see what you're capable of. And if you want to change the shape of your brows, it's really the only way to do it. And then of course there's like growth serums, that can help to sort of speed up the growth. But it's really that tweezing on that six to eight week cycle. That's the magic for sure.
2: If someone has over plucked their brows, like consistently, like that same hair is coming out, then are they able to even grow back that hair with a growth serum or are you considering that that brow hair just dead and gone? It's never coming back.
3: I was going to ask that. Is there
2: coming back from
3: that? I've seen crazy things happen with growth and I've seen nothing happen. It's so interesting how every hair follicle, every skin, I mean, it's so different person to person. I wish it was all the same. And I wish the growth serums worked the same on everyone. I'm always like, try it, it may work, it may not. Um, but when it does, it's the best thing ever. And it's pretty remarkable.
0: What growth serums do you like to recommend? Are you like castor oil? Like, what are you recommending?
3: You know, the the Augustinus Botter one is great. Grande Brow has been in my arsenal personally. And, you know, we saw that at Strike as well. is a great product. But I've seen results even from like the Vegamore, which I think uses mostly castor oil. So again, it's really... Dependent on what you're willing to use and what you want to use, you know, the the Grande brow uses prostaglandin, which is a steroid. It was sort of the active ingredient in Latisse. So sometimes you can get some side effects from that, whether it's like, you know, the darkening of the eyelids, sort of sensitive eyes. Sometimes people get like itchy brow skin, you know, because it is, it's quite stimulating. I mean,
2: those are great Rex. Grande brow works, by the way. Like, I mean, at least it worked for me. That stuff works. It's the prostaglandins in there. Do you have to use
0: it like twice a day? Should you use it morning, night? And then how long do you think it takes? Obviously, it's different for everyone. But in your experience, what do you see?
3: Typically I have clients use it just once a day. I think it's fine. If you're consistent, it really works well. So I tell clients to keep it sort of near their toothbrush or anything that's habitual. So like it reminds them after I brush my teeth, I put my growth serum on and you want to put it on clean, dry skin and let it absorb before you put anything on top of it. I think a nighttime is a great time to do that. And you'll see results within six to eight to 10 weeks And then after you kind of get to where you see what you like as far as hair growth, I have clients maintain and I myself maintain with using a serum maybe twice a week. So you don't have to use it every day once you've used it every day for six to eight to 10 weeks, if that makes sense.
2: We got to talk about the feather brow. You are the patron saint of this feathering look and technique. Truly, you were the one doing feathering when everybody else was doing the box brow, the whatever brow, uh, sparkle brow, all the brows, Christy was doing the feather brow. And I visited her at Warren Tricomi in Los Angeles. She did my brows and glams count it. I was shook it to my core. I couldn't believe that my brows could look so full and light and effortless. Like it just looked like my hair was growing in a specific direction and it looked great. I have truly never been able to replicate this. Christy is the only person that can do this on me. I cannot do it myself. But she did say that my brows looked very symmetrical today. And I'm feeling very good about that because I tried. I was like, if we're going to see Christy, I got to have my brows on, on fleek, if you will, if it's 2014.
3: I love the shape. They're quite symmetrical, Kirby. I'm really proud of you. They look amazing. Is this just how they always look? Is this any product on there? Do you have the KS&Co? What's going on?
2: Of course, it's the KS&Co. Duh. I did essentially what you said you do. I used a brow gel because I'm testing one. And then I looked and I filled in and you gave me graciously the dark brown and the medium brown. And when when we met, you were like, I think this brow needs dark and I think the other brow needs medium. (laughs) And I was like, like two different colors. And she was right. How annoying of me. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) No. So now I do the two different colors, not together. Literally the dark brown on my left brow and the medium brown on my right brow and chef's kiss sisters. Absolutely. Never twins.
1: I mean,
3: I typically recommend two different colors, but usually it's based off of like your natural brow hair and then one for your like tinted brow version. Got it. Yes. But yeah, I mean, I just think like feathered brow, doesn't it just sound so pretty and soft and lush and full? Like I think that being like a, you know, a 2000 skinny millennium brow babe, I moved to New York and I was seeing so many beautiful women with these like tiny little thin, dark eyebrows that looked so harsh. And everyone was like so into anti-aging and looking youthful and like soft and pretty with these like tiny thin eyebrows. And so I just started like brushing them up and going a little bit longer in between like forcing people to go instead of like every three weeks, I was like, let's try four. Okay. Next time let's try five, let's try six. And like leaving a few hairs and telling them being like, so these little guys that are growing it, I think we need to grow those. And I think that like, it could give you a little bit of a softer and people went with it. And so I just started seeing all these women, like loving this, like fuller, softer brow. I mean, I always liken the brow to the lashes. Like you never want like thin lashes, like the more, the better, like the more you see a brushed up full lash, like the younger, the prettier, the softer you'll look. So the brows are the same for me. And so by doing that, I just was like, Oh, it's very like feathery. And I kept using that word when I would describe it. And then when I would talk to clients about putting product in their brow, I would just be like, sort of feather it in. Like I just kept using that word. It would just be coming out. And so then I was like, I'm trademarking that. feathered brow. That's my jam. And I did. And that became my thing. And it was just so easy and, you know, tinting everyone to make them, whether it was softer in color to be a little bit less harsh or darkening them. If somebody had like a ton of blonde hair to make them more abundant looking, But yeah, I just sort of crafting my own way of doing things and only ever tweezing. I just felt like I had so much more control and I was able to get that feathered look, right? Where wax is like very stark. It's like super clean skin and then hair. So there was this line of demarcation that just seemed so stark. And it's also really difficult to get the brows to look symmetrical when there's that much contrast. And I just loved how soft it was on the skin It just was so much better. Nobody was really doing that. I remember people were being like, You're going to tweeze my whole eyebrow. Like, you're not going to do any wax. And so then I created this oil that I make still to this day. It's argon based oil with like this really beautiful blend of essential oils that's really calming and soothing. And so I massage that on. And then I go in there with my like rapid fire tweezing. And people are like, Oh, wow, doesn't even hurt. You know, and there was the feathered brow and I'm still doing it 20 years later. (laughs) Christy, do you make your own pair of tweezers? I don't make them. I partner with Rubis, which is a Swiss company, and they make really sharp, beautiful. They're all super precise, amazing. The scissors and the tweezers are both. How often should we be switching out our tweezers? I mean, it depends how often you tweeze. I have to switch mine out probably weekly weekly at the studio because I see so many people, but you know, I find that if you buy tweezers, whether they're Rubis or any other brand, and they come with that little protective cap, keep that cap, keep your tweezers in that cap because it keeps the edge together and it keeps them sharp. That is like the longevity key and secret to your tweezers. And obviously try not to drop them because dropping them will like offset
2: the edge. Right. Sarah, were you a waxer? Did you ever wax your brows? Oh,
0: I did it all. I did it all growing up. I did waxing. I was doing threading, even though I hated it so much and it was so painful. And then I was like, why am I doing this? And then I just sort of stopped. I could come see you, Christy, because I haven't touched my brows in so long. Like probably before I was pregnant with Kate. I can't even remember. Like it's been months and months and months.
3: Bring me all the hair.
0: Yeah. I also... I have you know made so many mistakes over tweezing in my youth that I'm just like let me just embrace the natural and then have a professional <laughs> take care of it for me.
2: You know waxing is Christy's so right. It's stark because it looks manipulated. Yeah. Because it's just a straight line and that's not a natural thing that we have. We're not born with like a straight line underneath where everything is perfect. So the tweezing really keeps it looking more authentic and grounded and soft. I used to try to wax and I even tried threading and I would break out where it was. And so I just committed to never doing those two things again. So
3: yeah, it can be harsh. And like you said, the tweezing allows you to kind of like skip a few hairs and kind of create the look of how the natural growth pattern grows in that area. And that is sort of what my goal is, is to make it look like I don't do anything to my brows. They're just naturally this gorgeous, you know, like this is how I woke up. <laughs> that is the goal. Yeah. Don't we all want to look like that? Like just look like we do nothing. hundred <laughs>
2: percent. Sarah, that's kind of what the trend is now where it's like, yeah, being high maintenance to be low maintenance. Yeah, totally. So one day where you'll get everything done, you know, your lash extensions, your eyes, whatever it is. And then you wake up in the morning and you're just like, okay, I'm good to go. And then you're solid for like, however long.
3: It's like that set it and forget it mentality. Like do all the things to like set it where you want it. And then like, forget about it for a while.
0: We need, we're all busy, busy ladies. Are you on like TikTok a lot and Instagram and watching people do things to their brows? No, no, not at the moment. I'm not at least like people maybe coming in and being like, I saw this, do I need to do this? Like, are there things that people are doing wrong commonly on their brows? Like, what is the overall consensus? What are we doing wrong?
3: You know, honestly, good, bad or ugly, I feel like I don't partake in a whole lot of the social media things. But you know, I'm sure that there's a lot of a lot of things happening because it's fun and people are bored and why not like experiment? You know what I mean? I mean, I think that we all are pretty naturally inclined to do that. But, you know, I I think for me, I feel like it's my job to just educate people that it's not like hair on the head, right? Your hair pretty much will grow back no matter what you do to it. We can bleach it. We can perm it. We can do keratin. We can do all the things, and it will pretty much grow back, whereas the brow hair, it grows on a cycle. It falls out and replaces itself. It's not like head hair that just keeps growing, right? So if you overly tweeze or overly wax or you're pulling out a follicle, repetitively, the skin can get almost like scarred and not grow back. So you just want to always take caution with pulling out hair. But like, I don't know, I love seeing people like bleach them or take a little razor and maybe like, sort of make them more refined looking by just either cutting the hair or shaving it to experiment with different looks because it's fun, you know. But yeah, pulling out the hair can can be damaging.
2: For sure. A lot of people that suffered through the early millennium feel that on a cellular level. So
3: I feel like this younger generation, they're not as much into doing that, you know, I think that they're kind of like, into doing less, which is great. Exactly.
2: You know, as we get older, everything changes, you know, our skin, our hair, our brow hair, what do you think is something we can be doing that makes the biggest difference when it comes to how our brows appear, or how it may change the way we look?
3: I mean, I think like at home personally, you know, like in your routine or going and having something done. Cause there's two different things. I would love to know both. So I think for home routine, that is one of the reasons why I created K S and co and is specifically the sheer tinted brow gel and the clear, because it's basically a really healthy serum as a base. So If you're putting it on every day, you're coating the hair, you're coating the skin with really healthy ingredients that help to create and keep the brows growing and healthy and shiny. And then also adding like a little bit of color, you know, so it's like a one and done because for me, I'm like, I want to spend as little time as possible. So using a product like this. It's almost like putting like a deep conditioner on your hair or like a face mask, you know, something that's like putting those nutrients back into the brow. Because if you're lifting and you're doing all these things to the, the brows, it's nice to like put something back in, but also add a little bit of color. So I think if there's one thing you can do at home, you know, the sheer tinted brow jar the clear is amazing because it keeps the brow healthy. And then in terms of like what you were saying, things that you can do, the set it and forget it mentality where... You want to just, like, do something to, like, help your brows to look as best as they can that lasts a while. The tinting and the brow lift, which is what we do at Strike, it's another word for lamination. And the lift is basically, it's a keratin solution that we sort of set the brow in the appropriate place, set the hairs where, you know, they're covering any holes or in that upward position so they look as fluffy as possible. And then the tinting, obviously, to grab all those little blonde vellus hairs will just keep the brows looking their fullest and richest so that on the daily, you can either just do a clear or like a super natural sheer tinted, like just to do less, you know?
0: Totally. Do you like to use the sheer tinted and the stronghold together at all
3: ever? Yes. Yeah. I just had mine tinted, so I didn't use the sheer tinted today, but typically... I'll do the pen first because you don't want to use the pen after you've used the sheer tinted. The skin needs to be pretty clean and dry. And there's a tiny bit of wax in this that once you put it on there, the pen just like doesn't like it. But you can do the clear first and then do the pen. So if I'm doing all three, it's the pen first, the sheer tinted, and then the clear. And then you can just like set it and forget it. And it stays all day.
0: Amazing. I love the packaging so much, by the way. I love how it feels like kind of it feels like luxurious because it's like a little bit heavy, you know, but it's so easy to put on super buildable, forgiving because, you know, some brow products, you're like, I got to start over. I went too, you know, overboard.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Maybe too much, too much pigment or something. Right. Mm -hmm. I know I was really specific about this spoolie because It needed like the actual bristle length is a little bit longer in the middle and they need it to be a little bit longer so it can grab the hair and pull it up, but also not get stuff on the skin. So it Mm -hmm. adds this like nice separation, but also kind of puts a few hairs together. So it makes them look a little bit thicker and adds that nice texture, but doesn't put anything on the skin. That was my real point
2: of difference with
3: the gel specifically. was that spoolie.
2: It's so good. It truly just feels like a serum, like a serum for your brow. You're so right.
3: Yeah. And that's what it is, like a tinted serum.
0: Also have to shout out these adorable leaf hair clips. They're so chic. I might just wear them out.
3: They hold really well too, surprisingly. I've been sort of doing like a, a little bit of a messy top knot and just putting like one right here and it holds my hair all day. Amazing.
2: Cute. Christy this was so fabulous we're gonna come see you obviously once I'm fully testing negative for COVID Sarah's coming in soon hallelujah I'm coming in baby the brows are back feather brow Sarah here you come Christy where can everybody find you and find your brand so you can find me on Instagram at Christy Striker. You can find me
3: at Strike most days in Beverly Hills. And KS Co. is available direct to consumer on ksandco.com as well as in Strike in the studio. And Duchess, my sister's store, carries it as well up in New York. So get it. All right,
0: that's it. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We will be back on Tuesday with the week's most buzzy
2: beauty news. Make sure you subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and follow us on Spotify so you don't miss any breaking beauty news or product reviews. And if you want to support us, be sure to follow us at Gloss Angeles Pod on all platforms and join our Facebook group. Plus,
0: find every product we recommend on our website, glossangelespod.com, as well as links to the stories and news we report each week. You can follow us, your hosts, I'm Sarah Tan, that's S-A-R-A-T-A-N, on all social
2: platforms. And I'm Kirby Johnson K-I-R-B-I-E on all social platforms.